Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts, as always. Uh, today, I am talking about demons, very spooky, and Jezebel um, for kind of a topical topic. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, And I'm on that, like, kind of spooky note, talking about hemlock dun 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 mm. it's so, vicious <laughs> so yeah we're talking about poison we're talking about demons we're talking about um the painted horror of babylon so we're this is a good episode this is a good episode y'all yeah might be a little... i think it's fun um but before we get into all of that juicy juicy stuff when did you feel the magic this week oh my god so i have like two so first I have been like collecting eggshells and like making eggshell powder because I wanted to like re-up my magical protection. I've been talking about doing this, but this was like a longer process because I wanted to just like get the eggs as I was using them. So I finally like had enough egg powder that I was like, okay, this is enough. So yesterday I mixed the egg powder, nettles, and then some like chamomile and lavender for like, you know, protection, but also drawing prosperity because I'm always a little wary of protection magic that's like too, I don't know, that's too extreme because I don't want to block everything out of the home. So that's why I included a couple of herbs to like invite stuff in. So, you know, I put some under my doormats, but then I also lined my outdoor windowsills and it's just so pretty. And I felt so magical yesterday, just like sprinkling my little protection blend. Um, but I've also been wanting to start making salves that's been like my magic herbal witchiness that I've been really excited to try. And I finally did it yesterday. So I made this all purpose salve that is, it's like a, it is a um, almond oil infused with rosemary, calendula, lavender, yarrow, and chamomile. And then I added some shea butter into it. And then of course did like the mix with the beeswax. So this is like my uh, super, reused Trader Joe's tin. I have some prettier ones, but the salve is like beautiful. It smells super good. And if I end up liking the way it works, maybe I'll sell it at some point. But I originally did it because Eric gets like heat rashes during the summer. Like a lot of people do, right? Like anyone with sensitive skin is like, hi, heat rash season, myself included. So I wanted to do something with like the, uh, the calendula, the chamomile and the yarrow for that. But then I had a lot of rosemary oil already. And I was like, well, rosemary is antibacterial and antifungal. So in the event that like the heat rash has some sort of rooting there, I was like, that'll be great. Plus lavender is also really soothing and can sometimes help with itching. So like for bug bites and stuff. Anyway, so that was my like fun potion brewing yesterday. I made salves. I, I was just going to say, I feel like I need a gallon of that because, and this is like some fun TMI for um, all the all the listeners out there, but you can absolutely see where my backpack rests. Ooh. Um, just uh, in general, like rashiness, ashiness, and um, yeah, it's not good. It's well, not I'll good. save a tub of it for you. I've got like- a I am so excited that I'm going to see you in like a month. I know. So I'll save one for you. It feels really good. The almond oil and the shea butter in it is like, 
so moisturizing. I did, so if anyone gets a sunburn, I am like two days post a really bad sunburn, which you can barely tell because fresh aloe and then topping it with like raw unrefined shea butter has transformed my sunburn into a tan in two days. And I'm like, that's, that's super pale. That's Incredina Aguilera. Yeah. So there's some like hot herbalist tip for you guys. Anyway, so the, I've been feeling very like planty this week. I've been like really getting into like my plants and my brews. So it's been fun. I, um, so I have one that really sticks out to me from this week, which was that I was on the patio of my, um, my local bar and so I'm a, I'm friends with a snake. I guess long story short, I'm I am I am friends with a snake because I have seen this snake multiple times and I know where she lives. And I just had this moment though, because like the person I was with was like freaking out because this snake was there. And I was just like, I'm so calm right now. Like I it's don't it's just it's like it's a garden snake. They're not evil. I'm like, I'm like and she's just chilling. Like she lives under the air conditioning thing and she's probably got her little clutch of eggs under there and she's just like literally hanging out she's just living her life man um but yeah it's like I, i've seen her a lot and i just like seeing this other person like freak out about a very innocuous nature thing i was like oh yeah i'm plugged in i'm tuned in i love and, that and, and you're I'm and you're not and I'm sorry, sorry, I realized I assumed it was a garden snake, but I, my guess would be if it was poisonous, you would be worried about it. I would absolutely be worried. Um, I mean, everyone knows I live in Texas, so that's not unheard of here. Actually, the no. only, I will say the only poisonous snakes I've ever seen in person have been water snakes. So like water moccasins, uh, copperheads. Yeah, I mean, I think so because of where I grew up, we definitely had a copperhead get into the house, but there was like that creek down out back so yeah they love water they love they water love water. I, water moccasins a big big thing but cotton mouths cotton mouths and copperheads are probably the ones i've seen the most of for sure but yeah i mean i've seen it i've seen a copperhead but it was swimming they do they love to swim i mean i saw a rattlesnake at rattlesnake roundup in weatherford when i was a kid because they have this like big rattlesnake festival where you can go and like eat rattlesnake and watch people like I don't know do cowboy shit with them like wrangling it's so funny Texas is weird Texas is weird but yeah it was um it was a garter snake it was a garter snake okay so. they're so cute I I love a little snake also um I'm here for being friends with reptiles because I think I've talked about lizard before but I have a lizard that like lives near my house that I adore and um yeah and and we and we love that we're just we living that. our spooky Snow White realness over here. <laughs> yeah, spooky Snow White very much was the vibe. Yeah, because it was like, yeah, this is that that's that's my friend, the snake. Like, uh, I, that's Winona. Be nice to Winona. She, we, <laughs> she's been here. She's been here the whole time. Like, we're at her house. <laughs> yeah, we're at her house. Like, I'm sitting at this table on purpose because I like to watch the snakes. Like, yeah. Uh, anywho, wow. speaking of being friends with snakes, how? How's that for a segue, right? Um, that was a good segue. I'm like, wow, segue. it's almost like we've been doing this for over a year. Like coming up on two years. Yeah, we're we're getting there. We're this podcast is old. Um, but okay, so this week I am a happy little clam because I get to cover not just one, but two topics that are absolutely gonna be making Christians uncomfortable. 
in in Christo fascist America, we're here for that. In yes, in Christo fascist uh, America, we we uh, we're not here for it. But okay, so in both cases, we're going to talk about how Christians are very dumb and very wrong. So if wow. you're a Bi- if you're a Bible thumper, and you're somehow listening to Wands and Franz podcast, um, just a warning up top that this episode is not for you. Um, y'all have ruined this world, not even just this country, but like the whole world, and you've poisoned our well of spirituality with your patriarchal nonsense. Hot takes. Hot takes, uh, but truly fuck Christians. Uh, but I'm talking about demons today. Uh, um, woo! Demons, demons, demons! Um, but And in order to talk about demons, it has to be in the Christian context, because witches don't really believe in demons um which so the official the official um wiccan stance on demons is that um witches recognize spirits but don't really see the point in trying to categorize something like that um into like angels and demons and, and just kind of recognize that um, there are spiritual energies um, that are beyond human comprehension in large part. And um, most of most of that is neither good nor bad. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I feel like that's, I mean, even though I'm obviously not a Wiccan and you're not either, I feel like that's like a really good way to explain how I feel about it. Where it's like, I believe in spirits. Some love to make chaos and some are much more like, happy and want to talk to you but it's like to say that one category is all good and one is all bad is weird and like what is it with the binary christians calm down they love a binary they do they love a binary but so here's the thing uh i think a lot of people i might even be wondering what exactly a demon is and you know to all of you you're not alone um you know, the very smart cunts at Christianity and company also seem to have a vague idea themselves. So even though this is like their traditional monster under the bed, uh, they don't really have like great explanations for what a demon is. Um, So when I think of demons, I think of like little devil guys with like horns and maybe a pitchfork, you know, just like you know, uh, when you look at the the paintings, um, you know, like Dante's Inferno. I know there's like paintings of Dante's Inferno, you know, but it's just like the little guys that are like pushing you into like the fire pit, you know. Yeah, the ones that are like poking you in the butt with their little yeah, yeah, yeah. pitchforks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it also makes me think of I I do love the demon from um oh my gosh the Matt Gronig show. Oh, Disenchanted. Yes, Disenchanted. You, Lucy. The character Lucy is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, that that tracks. That yeah. tracks. Absolutely. Um also voiced by um J- John DiMaggio, aka so Bender, my my other favorite yeah. character from a Matt Groening show. So we're here. Um anywho, hi. Um but actually, right, we're thinking like Satan, like satanic imagery when we think about a demon. Um but Actually, the Satan thing brings up a very good point, which is nowhere in the actual text of um, the Bible uh, is Satan described as being like this horned goat man. 
or anything like that. Um, it, and, and, you know, it's one of those things like the rapture that seemingly everyone thinks the devil is like a horny goat man, like a Capricorn man. But it's not it's not in the Bible. It's like the rapture is not in the Bible, but everyone talks about it. I do love in uh, the show Lucifer, if anyone's watched it, there is this scene where uh, it like becomes a bit of a running joke that one of his brothers, who's an angel, made up the goat thing to fuck with him. And he's like, oh, he hates the goat thing. And I just that always tickled me. I yeah. But really, though, it's like it's not it's not, it's anywhere not written in the down Bible. in the it's Bible. It's not written yeah. down. And, like, actually, Lucifer is described as being the most beautiful of God's angels. Like, Lucifer means, like, the light bringer. And yeah. sometimes uh, it means the morning star. A.K.A. So, Venus. Yeah. Um, so we're talking, like, the most beautiful angel there ever was. Um, yeah. And I so mean, that... Tom Ellis was a great cast for Lucifer. Oh, yeah. And since... Lucifer is canonically an angel, a seraphim, which is like the top tier of angels. Um, that, and then all of his followers who followed him out of heaven are also canonical biblical angels. The party angels. Um, so uh, in order to get a handle on what a demon might be like, we have to think about biblically accurate angels which is like the you know be not afraid meme you yeah know, where, it's, where it's just like a million eyes maybe like a bunch of wings maybe a hovering fetus i don't know if y'all have seen that Some one tentacles yeah and i do think it's it's like a good reminder here too that it's like christianity didn't invent angels which is why actual angels would be dope right but but biblically accurate angels are terrifying. Um, and the reason for that, the reason for that um, is that they are, they do not have a form. All right. The whole thing about being like a ball of eyeballs is that um, they're trying to take a corporeal form to communicate with the human. Uh, so this form is just something random that they've thrown together. Um I, I love the idea of a demon just being like, this is what humans do, right? 8,000 eyeballs. Yeah. This is what you look like. That's what y'all look like. Be not afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. I'm just a giant ball of eyes. That's normal and fine. Like, that's what you are, right? Yeah. That's what uh, humans are. That's what humans are. Um, I thought you would, I thought, I, I thought it would make you more at ease. If you like. <laughs> this is for your comfort people <laughs> um but okay so they're unknowable to mortals um and their forms are temporary which is important because they're, they're not floating around being a terrifying ball of eyes all the time most yeah. of the time they're probably just like a ball of light or something um or something like that you know who who cares yeah, it's not the most interesting thing about them. Yeah. Um, but I, th I think this is a good spot for demon fact. Fun fact number one. Um, the Old Testament actually contains zero mentions of demons. So wow. They do give you the backstory of Lucifer and um, hell. That's it. And they don't even use the word demon in that story. Um, because Satan's not a demon. Satan is a fallen angel. Uh, so demons are angels they're the same yeah. species 
Satan sure. is Tom Ellis as a detective in Los Angeles. But, okay, so we can actually kind of see when demons really take hold in the lore, though, because in the New Testament, there's a shit ton of demons. There's like 50 mentions of demons in the book of Revelation alone. Um, there's more than that. Throughout the whole New Testament, they love demons. They love demons in, in the New Testament. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of have this like uh, reasonable timeline for when, you know, Old Testament didn't give a shit about demons. Okay, no one cares, right? We're not going to talk about that. New Testament, they're obsessed. So it's like, obviously, they like need this bad guy. Uh, they need a villain. Villains. Um, they got to keep the people in line. Um, but yeah, so, but who would have known that the Jewish mystic death cult would have such kooky ideas about spirituality? Um, and let's get into that a bit. So the Greek word for demon, daemon, um, really just means spirit. So, and it's a good place to dig into the history. So for literal centuries, people felt very little need to separate out earthly spirits into like good and evil teams. Um, they kind of viewed these entities as individuals with um, sort of their own sense of agency. And so they have their own priorities. They have their own goals even. And if they help you, it's because you're, they're probably helping you help it themselves achieve some goal that they personally have. It's like they don't give a shit about humans. I mean, can you imagine being like an immortal being, um, you know, like heavily involved in the important matters of the universe and good versus evil and like giving a shit about a human, like a single human? Yeah, I mean, that's not to shit on goldfish. But, like, that would be, like, taking a very important personal interest in a single goldfish. Like, sure, you might toss them some food sometime, but I'm like, most people aren't fucking communing with this, like, lesser, quote-unquote, creature that doesn't, you know, have bills to pay or, like, right. work to do. I'm like, we're, like, shitty goldfish in yeah, the cosmic I mean, universe. I mean, really, though, like, even less than, I would say an ant. You know, it's like really, it's like, why would a demon be interested in you? I really don't know. Some people yeah, are very, like, some people are very delusional about their own importance. Which ask is something... not what demons can do for you. Mm -hmm. Ask what you can do for demons. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so some some of these spirits were um, beneficial. Some of them were malefic. Um, that could change on a whim. Which is the cool thing about being an individual. You know, you're allowed to change your mind. Um, but the distinction simply was not made. So angels, demons, ghosts, sprites, even jinn, all kind of fall under this umbrella of just being spirits. And that's fine and cool even. Um, and actually a lot of like the imagery of demons comes from genies. Like a lot of it does. A lot of it does. Um, and yeah. So we're talking about demons and they're these unknowable spirits from another realm and a lot of the flavor that we're getting is coming from genies and from christians needing villains again to keep their people in line um and actually it could not be more obvious that the original christian demons are sort of these like it's almost like satire in a way it's like they're very obviously based on like Iranian spiritualities, which kind of brings in this like imagery of like uh, genies and 
um, even like some of the the spirits in sort of like a near eastern religion so like even like mesopotamia phoenicia like the demons of this like early jewish mysticism were very very obviously based on like the other religions in the the area yeah that's where and i think that's where you get into some like there's quite a bit of racism in making demons evil and some of the like imagery they're associated with yeah and i mean even a lot of the demons uh, a lot of the artwork containing demons from like early jewish mysticism it's like very obviously based on even like indian like the indian pantheon of gods because to them that was like so pagan so foreign like there is a bit of there's just a whiff of racism yeah um it's like these uh these lesser humans and the right 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 their version although to be fair i'm like you should be scared of kali you fucking patriarchal dickheads yeah you absolutely should you absolutely should um but all of that to say is that technically like it canonically demons are very mysterious formless creatures um somewhat unknowable and so i'm definitely not gonna sit here and sift through like a millennium of christian theological history because i'd rather get into talking about some actual demons but before i do there are some key things that do appear in all of the demon stories and all of the lore um that can maybe help us to kind of understand like what a demon is okay so almost always there's an element of possession. Um, Garden variety ghosts and sprites, etc. cannot do possessions. Um, That's that's a demonic power. Okay, so that's kind of like a really key difference between like a haunting and a demon is this possession, like ghosts cannot possess. Um, Secondly, the summoning aspect. So, and this part really is copy and pasted from genie lore, um, but you can summon demons and kind of ask them for assistance or make a deal. And here's the thing, demons are malicious, all right? So the deals are usually bad deals um, or tricky, trick, trickstery deals, okay? You know, it's like, yeah. it's like the crossroads demon, you know, sell your soul for fame and fortune or whatever but yeah um, i mean the devil went down to georgia you know truly (laughs) um but okay but the summoning thing does bring up like a a a vocabulary lesson um grimoire which is such a fun word um so grimoire is a list of demons their names their aliases their powers summoning instructions and suggested offerings so it's like a little pokedex like a pokedex of demons um oh my god a pokedex of demons I, that just made me so happy yeah 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 uh and that's what a, that's what a grimoire is and so arguably the most famous grimoire uh comes to us from king solomon um which it, his greater and lesser keys um which lists all of the known demons at the time and actually ranks them um, and this includes some pretty famous names from the Inferno, like Beelzebub, um, the Prince of Demons, and Asmodeus, who is another Prince of the Demons. Uh, but also for some reason, um, you know, it's like, so you have like these very, very demonic sounding names. Again, Beelzebub, Asmodeus, like um, demonic. Uh, but then there's also demons that are called like Amy and Alex. 
Um, I love it. I also have to say, I love that in like the Keys of Solomon, some demons, like, I know you're going to talk about like different powers, but I love how strangely specific it gets sometimes where it's like, this demon commands 36 legions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because, <laughs> because they really do. Um, and as my, your guy Asmodeus has 32 legions. Mm, see, Asmodeus would be lower ranking than a demon with 36 legions. That's most true. Likely. That's true. Well, there's seven princes in hell. So that's a lot of princes. They have a, they have a pretty complicated system. I mean, I thought that, like, the Dukes and Earldoms and all of that was difficult, man. The Brits ain't got shit on hell. Yeah, they have seven princes in hell. Um, and, and, uh, and even, like, generals and, yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's, like, a real hierarchy. that They're very organized in hell, which is... I'm, like, so, again, bringing back that whole Capricorn imagery. Yeah. They're very organized. <laughs> they're very well organized in hell. Um, but, okay. All of that to say, the rest of this segment is a mini grimoire because I did want to talk about some specific demons, and there's hundreds of them out there. So, like, I don't know, y'all clearly are not expecting me to like list every demon. So we're we're gonna hit some like high points here, um, starting with Beelzebub. So cannot do this episode featuring Jezebel and Baal worship uh, without talking about a demon based on Baal again because so many of the specific demons are very obviously based on the gods of the countries around Israel, like the pagan gods of the countries around Israel. Um, but, but you know I'm going to have to ask, does Beelzebub have a devil put aside for me? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you guys know, you have to talk about Queen. <laughs> you do. You do. And Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me. For me. For okay. me. Yeah. Um, but really, um, but Beelzebub is one of the seven princes of hell. And some people say that Beelzebub is Lucifer. Um, some people don't. <laughs> some people don't. <laughs> some, some, some people don't say that. Um, but some, some people say that he's just like a very, very high ranking demon. So, um, yeah. So like maybe he stands in for Lucifer when Lucifer needs a fucking self-care day. He's the assistant manager of hell. Um... <laughs> uh, He's the assistant to the regional manager of hell. I love this with like, yeah, like a weird corporate speak. It's uh, like, this is how, you know, capitalism is bad. Hell is set up in a corporate hell, hierarchy. Hell is, hell is a corporate hierarchy. Of course it is. Um, but one thing that is agreed upon is that Beelzebub is a demon that can fly, leading to one of his very cool nicknames, the Lord of the Flies. So... Uh, but sucks to your asmar piggy yeah sucks to your asmar piggy uh but he's got some cool powers too so um he does like to cause destruction through tyrants especially so that's kind of cool um and i can think of some very demonic seeming people that are in charge of some very important things right now um yeah like I mean, all the supreme justices i mean just like look in amy coney barrett's eyes and tell me that there is not a demon possessing that woman i'm like beelzebub is like the patron demon of the united states i think i truly 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 um but so he spreads destruction through the use of tyrants um he causes demon worship among mankind he excites priests to lust and he likes to cause a uh, political strife and wars. So yes, very American. And it is the 4th of 
Fourth of July while we're recording. So I have to say, like, fuck you, Catholic Church, for coming up with a reason that you're diddling children. Yeah. That is not on BS. Yeah, that's... that's on you fuckers. I just it's cute. It's really cute that the that they um were like, oh yeah, he like causes wars and 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 um uh you know he uh makes tyrants and um he makes the priests horny. It's like almost like there's this uh really intense lack of accountability when you blame human failure on satan and demons yeah well um let's move on in our demonic dating game here um so we're going to talk about asmodeus so like people who are into demons all seem to be really into asmodeus um he's also called ashmodai uh and he's another prince of hell again there's seven princes of hell we're talking about just two today um but okay, so, and I've got a couple stories about Asmodeus, but um, just before I get into it, I just want to let everyone know that he breathes fire and rides a dragon. So I, a contender so, for my for my favorite demon. I was about to say, so he's an Aries. So he's an Aries, that's right, that's right. Um, um, one of his heads is a goat head. He has three heads. Perfect. One of, the, one of them's a human head, one of them's a goat head. Um, the other one I think is a bird head. Wow. And also, um, his penis, um, ha- has a snake head. Cute. Yeah. He's an Aries. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he's single, ladies. Okay, but um, I you but just let that soothing image wash over you. This, you know, he's got three heads. One of them might be a bird head, but one of them for sure is a goat head, and one of them for sure is a human head. He has a snake for a penis. Um, he breathes fire. He rides a dragon. Like, what a cool dude. Um, a rock he star, just sounds, even. He sounds like the ultimate fuckboy. He sounds so hot, right? Right. Um, like hot, but a dickhead. So, okay, but here's the thing. Demons get crushes, too. So, cue Sarah. She's a gorgeous, gorgeous girly with a demon problem. So, Asmodeus is obsessed with her. And so every time she gets close to being married, he kills the guys before they can um, consummate the marriage. Wow, that's so romantic. It really is. It really is. So she's engaged again. And it would be such a bad look on God's part to keep letting dudes get ripped apart by a horniness demon. So he sends the archangel Raphael to intervene. And the answer ends up being that Tobias, her new boo, um, our, our getting married is planned, right? But when it comes time to consummate the marriage, they have to burn this incense made of fish guts, specifically like the liver and bladder. Um, and which does not seem like it would be a very romantic or sexy smell. Yeah, I'm like, I might rather just not. But... Asmodeus was like straight up like ripping these dudes in half before they could consummate the marriage. So I do think the fishy, the fishy odor in the honeymoon suite um, is maybe better than getting ripped in half bodily by uh, a demon. No, well, I was like maybe better for the guy. Maybe better for the guy. I might, you know, yeah. And Sarah, uh, it took you know this isn't like her second engagement. This is her seventh engagement. So six other dudes are just fucking dead. Yeah, what I'm hearing is Sarah had a commitment problem. Sarah had a commitment problem. And, and let Asmodeus be the bad guy. And let Asmodeus be the bad guy. Um, 
but okay so tobias and sarah burn this like fishy fucking incense and once the once once the marriage is consummated asmodeus has no power anymore to like interfere because now they're like married and it's consummated and that means like god isn't protecting them um i i don't know why i I thought god didn't like sex truly but apparently that's like why i don't know man i don't know that i want christian god in my bed like that sounds like a real bummer (laughs) yeah i mean it does it, it does seem like a bit of a bummer it does seem like a bit of a bummer um and so yeah so he can no longer interfere interfere right um asmodeus though he also has a very famous run-in with king solomon um king solomon uh of course tries to summon asmodeus for help building the temple uh the famous story with king solomon is that he summoned a horde of demons to build the temple in israel um and but asmodeus does not want to do manual labor because in hell he's a prince even though there's like six other princes he's still one of them like he doesn't have to do manual labor in hell it's like you're Um, gonna fuck up his manicure what are you doing um but he's like so fuck you mortal how dare you summon me to do manual labor fuck right off so he like yeets king solomon out into the desert and he's like so far away it takes him months to get back to jerusalem in the meantime asmodeus shapeshifts into king solomon and is fucking his wife fucking his concubines and like being like sitting on the throne having you know eating these elaborate and extravagant meals and just being like the king like he's just shapeshifted into the king and then the real king solomon comes back and is like dude what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and it's like well this kind of sounds like a whoopsie on your part solomon yeah and you know um like you like it's, it's like you flew too close to the sun here like you're lucky you're not dead yeah, it's like, just stick with some of the regular demonic legions, dude. Yeah, like, what the hell? Literally. Um, okay, but so so King Solomon's dumb. Asmodeus fucked his wife. And no remorse. No remorse. Um, and do you think, do you think, I, do you think afterwards she was like, yeah, no, honey, it's, you're, you're, you're doing such a good job at, um, at having sex with me. And I'm not thinking about the demon version of you at all the the Um, demon version of you that actually made me come because you know that a demon is gonna like be down to like go down on you and like make sure you're pleasured and like giving you orgasms in a way that there is no way fucking solomon was there's no way and you know he's a two-pump chomp you know know, i mean there's no way and then israeli king like the most orthodox jewish man that there could possibly be i I, i'm sorry but uh, like orthodox judaism just is not a very sexy religion um no uh also not a religion that's super fond of women having anything so right and um we hate that for them um but speaking of asmodian horniness there is a more recent story about asmodeus so this time from the 17th century in france and hang on to your seats people because this one is kind of funny um so apparently asmodeus did a group possession of an entire order of nuns and uh caused these catholic nuns to uh become insatiable nymphomaniacs so apparently the group exorcism involved lots of female masturbation 
And um, apparently most of the nuns did try to um, fuck the priests that were doing the exorcisms. Wow. Um, but also they were fucking each other. Um, they were like going out and like trying to fuck people in the village. And they were just like, they were just so horny. Th these nuns, these nuns were really horny. Good for them. Um, uh, which ultimately does end up leading to a witch trial because we love to do a witch trial. Because God it's forbid women have fun. Because it's the 17th century and you knew it was going to be a witch trial as soon as we started talking about exorcisms. Um, and, but so, and certainly some people died because the witch trials, okay. Like it's not, yeah. it's not so funny, but it was, you know, like 400 years ago. So, you know, I think like time heals all wounds. Um, and makes a lot of them funny. And it makes a lot of them funny. So sorry <laughs> to the people, sorry to the people who actually died during this witch hunt, but it is kind of funny. And the, the local people thought so too, so much so um, that some genius made it like a stage show. So they made like a like a play out of it. So you could have this it. whole um, sort of dinner theater experience um, of like watching these possessed nuns like flick the bean on stage and like um, fuck a priest. Also like, how fucking French is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, ultimately, the government shut it down for vulgarity. Um, but it was it, it was a popular local attraction for a few years. Um, this this sort of uh, stage show based on these possessed nuns, um, and that was Asmodeus. Um, so yeah, and um, so before we move on, some some of the lore says that Asmodeus. Um, is Lilith's husband. So I bet he like, lets her be on top. So they're like the king and queen of horniness. Good for them. Uh, good for them. Uh, which brings me to like a modern-ish demon, Zozo. So Zozo is known as the Ouija board demon. Right, right. Uh, and he went viral in the year of our Lord, 2009, um, giving Tumblr users everywhere a major case of the heebie-jeebies. Uh, but here's the actual crazy thing. All the demons I've been talking about so far uh, appear not only in Solomon's Keys, but also uh, this more modern grimoire from the early 1800s, which is uh, Le Dictionnaire Infernal. Mm. Um, but guess who else is there? Zozo. Ooh! The, the Ouija board demon. Um, so this is not from the year 2009. It just sort of has resurfaced in 2009 on the internet. Um, but here's the thing. Um, Zozo loves to do possessions. And so that's why he seeks out people who are using Ouija boards um, to find his opportunity to do possessions. And so the viral story from 2009, uh, basically the original poster was messing around with a Ouija board and Zozo comes through and makes his intentions clearly known that he wants to do a possession. Um, and so the guy's daughter uh, almost drowns in the bath and then gets this like crazy and supposedly unexplainable infection, which is like a blood infection, um, which doesn't have to do with the drowning. So the incidents are separate, but it's around the same time. Then also, 
his wife has like a full mental breakdown and is described as having like a completely new personality afterwards. Um, and obviously like not in a positive way, you know, like she didn't learn how to like do French patisserie or, or something like that. Like um, she's just like really mean and like really depressed and um, put uh, possessed even. Yeah. Um, and right so, here's the, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is why if you're going to mess with the Ouija board, you, you close, you close the portal at the end. You yeah. don't just leave it open. That's the moral of the story from 2009 um, with Zozo uh, is that if you're going to fuck around with the Ouija board, you, 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 um, you hang up at the end by moving the planchette. It's very easy to do. So I'm just going to tell you how you move the planchette to goodbye. And that's like the, the Ouija board equivalent of hanging up the phone. Um, because if you leave the portal open, um, that's how you get possessed by Zozo, the Ouija board demon. Yeah. And um, so that's, you know, my little Whitman sampler of demons. Um, what I will say is that in doing my research for this segment, um, I did listen to a lot of podcasts about people who work with demons. Not my thing personally, because it really does sort of imply this belief in christianity which i do not possess so no it also feels like kind of rude to spirits like it feels disrespectful to tell yeah. the spirit you're a bad guy it's like y i'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not about to fucking like get some sass on with creatures of the universe like no but i did want to talk though about some of my favorite like fictional depictions of demons um i don't do you, do you ever read the the bartimus trilogy no we've talked about that i haven't though so in the bartimus trilogy um basically it's sort of like um like a revisionist history but uh in that history the british government is all uh magicians um that's and fun. the thing the thing but the thing in that is that the demons are always trying to like kill the magicians or like find loopholes in the deal and like the magicians have to try very 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 hard to like keep the demons controlled um mm. i mean and... i feel like you gotta plug good omens for demon oh, representations oh sure 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 um but i just meant like that like the spirit of it where you were where it's kind yeah. of like um you know you, you shouldn't disrespect an immortal deity no you absolutely by... shouldn't but also, like, the idea uh, in, in that is that these magicians, you know, have this incredible hubris of, like, I'm going to I'm gonna summon, like, a, a Ptolemaic demon to clean my house. And then the demon's like, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. Yeah. And fair. And fair. Um, yeah. I think, so Good Omens is one of my favorite, like, literary representations of demons. I also really like the demons in uh, the Juliet Blackwell, like, witchy... Uh, mystery series but mostly like recently I really love uh, some of the demons represented in the television show Lucifer they're very interesting there's some good I feel like there's really good pop culture demons there are I mean obviously Lucy um but yeah I mean demons it's a really broad topic and truly I like I don't just want to spend all day talking about it because Kind of the thing is, 
is it's just like really not an area of the craft that either of us is like super dabbled into but yeah. i do think it's interesting but i think the last thing i'm going to say is that i did have to listen to a lot of podcasts about people who work with demons and i've read a lot of stuff written by people who work with demons and on one hand i kind of get it because it is like the antithesis of christianity in a way and like i do see the appeal of that as someone who was raised by christians like to kind of rebel against it but like that, that's just not my spirituality yeah it feels to me sometimes a bit like satanism where it's like a lot more about the show than the and practice. actually i did kind of like this thing that i was reading about alistair crowley who invokes this demon a lot that's like the demon of the void and it's uh, but the, the whole thing around it is that it's really kind of like this um metaphor for shadow work Mm, I love that. I do and like that. And so kind of the quote that really caught me, and I'm, 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 I'm probably like misquoting, but basically he was like, does it matter if the demon's real if you're doing the work? And the answer in witchcraft is no. The answer in witchcraft, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Because if you're doing the work, that's good. You're so doing the work. You're doing the work. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear about poison. Like, I love that this is kind of... Um, kind of a direction that we're going in i do too i think that this is a this is an interesting like sort of uh i guess like a rabbit trail off of herbalism because obviously most people aren't using poisons regularly in their practice at least i i hope you're not uh because danger will robinson but hemlock is one of those plants that i think just has such strong historical association with witches, right? So it was interesting to dig into it a bit, but it does have some fabulous common names, including Wombleck, Beaver Poison, Poison Parsley, Bunk, Haber, Devil's Flower, Break Your Mother's Heart, Ladies Lace, Scabby Hands, <laughs> and more. But Scabby Hands, I think, is my favorite. Um, yeah. So I mean I mean does it will it give you like a, a scabby rash on your hands? Oh it'll fuck you up. So Okay, cool. I mean tell me more. Yeah, so up top I'm just gonna say y'all, I'm not talking Sorry, about growing hemlock understand. today. Every part of the plant is poisonous and literally as few as six leaves can kill you dead, full on dead. And there have even been instances of like children dying from making whistles out of the hollow stems. They're very poisonous. And in the U.S., water hemlock, which we'll talk a little bit about the cicuta uh, species later, but it's considered highly invasive and it also kills animals because it does look and smell a lot like wild parsley and it will kill things that eat it, including poor animals and some creatures in the wild that can eat it without immediately dying will eat it enough that it'll actually end up causing like congenital birth defects in their offspring and it can even be passed to humans through like bird and cow consumption and stuff so it's like we're not talking about how to grow this so like so it can poison the whole food chain the whole chain top to bottom that so, sounds really um really not good no but we'll talk about why I find that so interesting in a bit. But in the spirit of just like not being irresponsible, we're not going to talk about growing it. It's it's also, again, the North American version is considered highly invasive and problematic. So like 
even beyond it killing you dead, growing it's not a good reason for <laughs> several reasons. So the hemlock plants are all in the Apiaceae family. Actually, I, I do just want to jump in here and say that um, this is kind of one of those things that I think is like a perfect metaphor for gun rights, where it's like, if your hobby is having a bunch of stuff around that could kill other people, I don't care. Find another hobby. Yeah, get a new hobby. So, so um, anyway, so the hemlock plants, the Apiaceae family is also sometimes called umbel uh, umbelliferae. So basically the carrot family, right? So the family has two names, but they're referring to the same grouping of plants. Like umbelliferae, I don't know why that one's so hard, is basically referring to the umbels or the umbrella-like flowers. There is also a tree, it's a deciduous tree referred to as hemlock, because when you crush the needles, it gives off like a similar scent to that like characteristic wild parsley kind of funk that you get. But we're not talking about the tree today, folks. So when you're looking at historical hemlock, you're most likely talking about or reading about the species Conium maculatum. And the name, the Conium, comes from Greek conus, which is like to whirl or to spin. And it can make you super dizzy when consumed. So again, don't. But when you rub it on your skin, it's also alleged that it can give you the sensation of like flying through the air, hence the use in like flying ointments in medieval Europe. There's also, though, a related genus, genus, and this one is uh, native to North America, called Secuta. So the two genera, Conium and Secuta, were distinguished from each other around like 1500, and they look very, very similar. Like there's a reason they weren't initially distinguished from each other. So I'm going to give you the description of the one in the U.S. of Secuta, because that's the one that like most of our listeners are still in the U.S., so you want to be on the lookout for it but it's a perennial herbaceous plant. It can get up to eight feet tall. So hemlock can get very big. And it has these small little green or white flowers that are arranged in like an umbrella shape. So like think about carrot flowers, parsley flowers for reference. They grow in wet meadows along stream banks and in other marshy areas. So this is where like water hemlock, that name comes from. And the stem is branching and hollow and sometimes on both the Secuta and the Conium, sometimes it'll have telltale purple modeling on it, but not all of them have it. So that's not enough to like be able to distinguish it from wild carrots or parsnips. But the purple spots that show up in some species are actually called the mark of cane, which feels appropriate. But the roots are like thick and multi-chambered. And when you crush them, they smell like raw parsnip. So like, I love parsnip as much as the next person it kind of stinks when it's raw. Like uncooked parsnip doesn't smell good. And that has a certain... I I disagree. I disagree. I kind of like the smell, but it's kind of one of those things that's like sycamore. Because someone was telling me the other day that they hate the smell of sycamore trees. And I was like, I fucking love that smell. What are what do you mean? But I wonder, Nick, if it's like there's a difference though in the smell between like the common culinary grown parsnip and wild parsnip. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was wild, just saying. It's like, but yeah, no. Some people might like it. I, I think wild parsnip is a lot funkier and not a great way smelling. But again, if you're a forager, even the smell isn't gonna like be able to distinguish it from the wild parsnips. So like, so this is not like a like an entry level forageable thing. No. And that's why so many people you'll see say not to forage for wild carrots or wild parsnip unless you are like 
incredibly well experienced. Like you're main, like you're your god mode forager. Yeah, the main difference is like the leaves on parsnips and you know like parsley and carrots tend to be rounded, but they're pointed on hemlock. But again, it's like that can also be a little misleading depending on the plant. So they they do produce though these like cylindrical fruit. They're four to six millimeters long. And it spreads via like oodles of tiny seeds that each plant produces. And the leaves are lancelate, serrate, and two to four inches long. So, you know, they've got, they can get pretty big. But water hemlock is actually considered the most poisonous plant in all of North America. So, again, be careful. But an interesting thing about where it pops up is that hemlock tends to grow in areas that have been recently cleared. So it's like, it loves marshy areas and like wet areas, but it'll also pop up in like parts of forests that have been recently like culled for lumber or like new trails or where roads are being put in. And so it kind of shows up in these like in-between spaces, which is something you can see a lot in like plants that have historically been used for spiritual flight. They're like plants that'll show up kind of like in transitional spaces, which I think is interesting. So the Secuta varieties contain secutoxins, which set in within 15 minutes, and the consumption of them can cause seizures, hallucinations, brain swelling, delirium, and numbness. The bad news about the Secuta varieties, which are the ones in North America, is that there's like not an antidote. So you can initially treat it with charcoal, but really all they can do is provide supportive care. So things like anti-seizure medications. So like, this is a thing where if you go to the hospital and you don't get there fast enough, you die. Like there's, there's not a shot to fix that. The conium varieties contain co uh, coniine, which is similar in structure actually to nicotine. But it's a piperidine alkaloid that disrupts the activity of your central nervous system, your CNS. So it can cause like muscle weakness and eventually respiratory paralysis. And the ripe seed contains the most concentrated coniine and it takes like a tiny amount to cause death. And the way it works is actually different than a lot of neurotoxins because number one, it doesn't cause like a lot of pain. Um, so it was considered like a more humane execution method in the ancient world but it works by ascending paralysis, which to me is like one of the scariest ones because it starts at like your feet and your lower extremities. And then the paralysis rises until eventually it hits your heart and your lungs and then you suffocate to death. So there is also though like this connection to humane execution. There's this really great US-based organization called Compassion and Choices. And it's about people that are advocating for the ability to have medical assisted death in people that are terminally ill. Their former name was the Hemlock Society, which I just think is interesting. But there's a lot of association with magical people, right? So like a lot of poisonous herbs, it's associated with Hecate and Saturnus. Circe and Medea also were said to use it to kill male enemies because there's a strong association with like uh, the destruction of male potency with this plant, which everyone knows nothing scarier than a limp dick, am I right? Oh, no. But uh, we know from Plato that Socrates in 399 BC was sentenced to death because he was like an upper class like citizen. He was allowed to choose his method of execution. And so he chose to drink an infusion of hemlock to carry out his sentence um, because it's like easier, right? It's 
it's not going to cause a lot of pain. You will suffocate, but there were like pretty horrific ways to kill people in antiquity. And again, like we have to remember that everything we know about Socrates is because Plato wrote about him, sort of like Eric and I were just talking. It's like Jesus, right? Like we have no writings by this person, only their followers. Socrates didn't write anything. Plato wrote about Socrates, but his purported last words were, Credo, we owe a cock to Asclepius. Please don't forget to pay the debt, which I just love that idea. I think it's very romantic. So the ancient Sumerians, though, would use hemlock to bring about, or interestingly enough, also to end plagues and pestilence. And in Christian mythology, hemlock became poisonous after growing it on the hillside where Jesus was crucified. And when his blood touched the plant, it became toxic for the rest of time, which I guess is different than when you consume his blood, which protects you. Which is good for you. Which is good for you. <laughs> so the decent news here is if you're someone that has a hankering to work with hemlock, the uh, conine, if you're using like the European variety, isn't stable. So the dried plant material actually loses its toxicity within a few days. Again, I'm not going to recommend working with it, but FYI, if it's something you're interested in, that would be the safest way to go about it is getting dried conine because it's the least likely to kill you. So magically, though, the plants associated with the water element, of course, the planet Saturn. Historically, it's been used for things like astral travel, uh, spells to destroy the sex drive, also freezing or paralysis spells, which can be very powerful. Uh, some practitioners would also use it to consecrate magical tools. So historically, they would use the juice of the root and like rub it on their athame or their bowling. Uh, but again, don't do that. Like that's poisonous. So modern, like modern practitioners, like in this great book, The Poison Path Herbal, recommend if you wanted to use it to consecrate things, like to use the dried conine leaves and make a water infusion like under the moon or something to do it with. But there's also a really great glyph for hemlock. And I'm showing the picture here for our Patreon, but people online, I'll, I'll find a place to post it. So I think though that like the glyph for hemlock could be really great to use magically because to me, I envision plants almost as like you know, like nature spirits, almost like elementals, where even if you're not with the plant, you can still work with like the energies of a plant. I think, of course, the tie is easier and stronger if you're there IRL. But I don't think there's anything wrong with like using a hemlock glyph magically, because again, that symbolism is really powerful. And I love the idea of maybe doing like some sort of like freezing spell and like putting the hemlock glyph on the outside of the container you freeze or even like paralysis candle magic like a cinnamon candle with this glyph on there to like make any shit they talk about you burn in their mouth and freeze them out of your life you know uh specifically you could do a freezer spell for you know the supreme court using the hemlock glyph uh and i just like have to say if people are interested let me know but i love the idea of putting together like a group ritual around like paralysis for the supreme court on the capricorn supermoon uh throwing that out there so I, I actually i think this is an incredible idea yeah uh, because i've been i think I, I think you're we're like reading each other's minds well but i often feel like that with you 
But I will also tell you that the most recent incense purchase that I made was cinnamon. I mean, meant to be. Meant to be. So um, my my sources today were The Poison Path Herbal by Kobe Michael. Again, this is a fantastic book. Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. And I found this at Wikipedia, duh. And then I found this great article on Slate called Big Bad Botany Hemlock, The Philosopher's Choice by Michael Largo that I thought was really cool. Love that. Well, before we move on, I think it's time for asks. I think it is time for asks. So obviously I just mentioned the idea of doing a group ritual on the Capricorn full moon. If you wanted to maybe get together and do something like that with us, Joining our Patreon is the best way to have that, like, VIP Nick and Shannon access. Oh, yeah. Hundy P. And this is actually such a good time to join because we have some pretty cool upcoming stuff um, vis-a-vis uh, my trip to L.A. and some stuff kind of around that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. No spoilers. You just just have to, you're just going to have to go on Patreon and wait. Yeah, that's patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod. But if you just want to like email us and be like, you guys, you're so pretty. What's your address so I can send you a bag of rubies? Throwback there. Uh, You can email us at wandsandfronspod at gmail.com or you can message us on Instagram at wandsandfronspod. You should totally be following us on Instagram. Nick is really into checking those messages on the bus. Uh, I, I I am really into checking them on the bus. I mean, because you it's know, it's a great I ha- time. To I, do it. I have like a forty-minute commute, and that's a lot of time to be on Instagram. That's like that's a, a good month. That's like a month on Instagram. Yeah, you guys, you get a lot of access to Nicholas through uh, through the Instagram. But if you're like, okay, I've done all of this, how else can I support you? You could rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars on Spotify or Apple. If you don't want to give us five stars, please don't fucking bother. Yeah, don't um, even do it. Don't even take don't. the time. Don't even take no. the time. But Nick, what what could someone write if they needed an idea for so a review? I, I'm really just spitballing here, but like uh, one thing that would be good is if you put this podcast is good. Love it. Simple, to the point, iconic. And yeah, um, you could be like Nick and Shannon are cool. This podcast is good if you really wanted if you wanted some flavor on there. Um, but yeah, so uh, leave us a little review. Um, hit us up. Um, also, we love to hear uh, feedback. So if you know, like if you're one of those psycho demon people that I have been listening to for like two weeks now, getting ready tell for this us, episode, tell us. Let us know. Um, I'm, I'm actually, hit us up. I want to get in a fight. I want to get in a public fight with um, the demon community. Says our Aries co-host. <laughs> uh, we also like have, anytime someone has asked us to cover something, it has been covered on the podcast. I'm just going to like say that. Like you could, you could really um, take a more active role even. We're here to serve. We're unlike demons. We're absolutely here to serve. Unlike demons who are literally waiting for the first opportunity to tear your head from your shoulders. Which is fair. Ugh. Which which is fair. Anyway. But, oh, but okay, so speaking of demons, um, I and speaking of the Supreme Court, even, I feel like this topic could not be more timely. And 
and this is also kind of like speaking of um you know getting some feedback from people i kind of had this idea though this little brain of doing a segment where it's um a queens of antiquity so not necessarily deities but sort of like cool historical figures mostly ladies so far mostly queens but um not necessarily all of them would be queens but you know it's like the people who would have been like sort of heroes to our witchy ancestors um because i mean you know like let's let's be honest most of us probably just come from regular people but like you know sort of historically these are these are people that they might have looked up to or like these stories are i i like these folklore stories i think are so interesting that i have been fully caught up in them as like side research when i'm doing like the regular mythology topics so but also i really wanted to talk about jezebel because i recently read yeah. reread one of my very very favorite books skinny legs and all which takes place in the early 90s, right before the Gulf War. And um, I had started reading it sort of when the Ukraine stuff was starting to stir up and be on the news here where I live. Um, just that, that kind of foreboding feeling that, you know, World War III could be just around the corner. But in the book, um, it's sort of all about like Near Eastern philosophy, but it's also kind of about the apocalypse and it's also kind of about jezebel um the historical figure so kind of hard to like put in a box but the book is called skinny legs and all by tom robbins it's fantastic although i will say it was written in you know the very early 90s by a man who did a lot 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 of cocaine so not the the wokest piece of literature but i points are made some very very good points are I mean, made in the book look stephen king had a cocaine phase a lot of your favorite authors did <laughs> but all of that to say that um I, that I, that's why i wanted to talk about jezebel but also there's this thing where this somehow even though we planned it out a while ago it is just like very prescient to the times because jezebel is really a story of vilifying women which is something that is very much in the news right now, because I mean, and as expected, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, you have all of these people coming out of the woodwork with all of this just misogyny. And it's like, we knew it was there. We knew it was there. But for it to jump out in the open like that is sh shocking. Yeah, Absolutely it shocking. sucks. And like, even some of the covert misogyny of the very quiet, like straight white dudes who have benefited from abortion. Yeah. Who are just like, well, that's not the most important issue right now. It's like, oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. But um, but really the story, uh, kind of in the way it's set up in the book, or kind of the way he looks at it, is that um and I I'm inclined to agree. This is my podcast segment. So obviously we're talking about what I think as a white man. Um, but no, but really it's one of those things where like, um, hi like history has not been kind to Jezebel. But really from the historical sources that we have, 
it doesn't seem like she was like what she's made to be which is the painted whore of babylon right and it's just insane so it's one of those things where it's like they've latched on to poor jezebel to make her almost like lilith to just be like women are evil like worshiping nature is unnatural and like somehow combining the two because like really the story of jezebel is like the story of israel rejecting flat out any kind of pagan non-monotheistic belief and like choosing to be very very religiously orthodox as a nation okay because it wasn't just the the religion you know i mean it was the the whole society like they yeah i mean wow that sounds strangely familiar yes so but let's let's tell the story let's tell the story um so jezebel uh and we're, t- we're in the ninth century bc okay this is um 900 years before jesus was even wearing pull-ups all right and we have um jezebel who is by all accounts a very very intelligent woman she's very well educated she's a princess of phoenicia um her daughter her father um is king ethbal um sometimes Iqbal. i don't speak phoenician so sorry y'all um, Wait, our entire friendship is built on the cornerstone of you speaking Phoenician. I think the podcast is breaking up now. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, well, that's all, <laughs> that's all for today, you guys. Um, but no, so she is a princess from Phoenicia, and so it, which is um part of for, former Mesopotamia. Here, for formerly part of Mesopotamia. Uh, I, I love that. I I do have a type. I do. Um, and so they worship uh, a god called Baal, um, and uh, a goddess who is basically um, a start, a start, a starty, basically Ishtar. Basically, it's Ishtar uh, because you know it's um, it's one of those things where it's like it's Ishtar, it's Astar, it's Astarte. Um, it's I mean it's all it's all Ishtar though. So, but Baal, Baal worship. Um, he Baal is like this fertility deity. Um, who's like but it's it's kind of interesting to have like this male fertility deity though um which is again ball goes on to be come beelzebub um so hmm. you know. interesting and, and a lot of the okay so but part of that is like that a lot of the symbols for ball were um the winged bull like a winged bull that would be sort of outside of the temples and like outside of palaces as protection because there's also this very protective element of of Baal, uh, but the wings and the horns are very devilish. They're very, they're depicted in a very devilish way, um, and yes. So she's got so. Uh, but in Phoenicia, the kings are also the high priest. So that's part of it, right? So in where Jezebel was raised by uh, King Ethbal, um, her dad is like literally the high priest of this this cult of Baal worship um and she is raised in that to be a priestess in her own right and so that's the thing so um as a woman she's a priestess of the um cult of Astarte and the thing with that is is it's a very very sexual kind of a cult um so a lot of the rituals do involve um for fertility of obviously for fertility but um very very sexy things very sexy things 
so that's really the only thing that that is kind of this um that she's a whore now the thing is is um a lot of times priestesses back in the day would engage in this sort of like sacred prostitution to support the temple and that's literally an ancient practice um and yeah i mean there's a reason they say sex work is the oldest profession yes and but i mean you know my my understanding of the situation though is that as the daughter of the king she probably would not have been engaged in that that's kind of more like ground level stuff and she's kind of more of like a high priestess because she is a princess so a bit disrespectful to just assume that she's a prostitute because uh, i mean truly it just in like the hierarchy of this like temple you know like she would be she wouldn't be doing that you know it's like um she's kind of more of more of the pope or like a bishop she's kind of more of like a bishop if that makes sense uh so fuck, fucking the people for money that would be like what a priest would do just like just like a regular like a vicar you know like a yeah. a preacher even like just like a ground level um front facing front, front it's a front facing position you know um whereas jezebel's a bit higher up a bit more behind the scenes you know a bit more on the um political end of it even so here's the and very political because she's again very well educated so in her lifetime israel has crowned a new king and this is the father of the future king ahab um so a jezebel is married off to ahab while he's still a prince um but then eventually ahab becomes the king of israel right and this kind of seals the deal for this kind of trade agreement so here's the thing about phoenicia which if i didn't say phoenicia is basically lebanon so it is like north of israel but it's a very um and especially at the time like agriculturally agriculturally rich country compared to israel which is mostly desert and was at the time mostly desert um but also had these thriving port communities of tyre and sidon and that this is an important part of the deal with jezebel getting married to ahab because it opens up these port cities and kind of like completes this trade route that ultimately goes all the way to greece so um it's good for israel to kind of plug into this longer trade route that goes to greece which is ultimately connected to like the rest of the world um through this little thing called like the silk road you know like but so it's 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 a good opportunity for them but culturally they could not be more different so you have this very cosmopolitan culture in phoenicia which is multicultural because they are allowing people from other parts of the world in and they're not forcing them to convert to their faith they're just kind of letting these other people practice their own faiths and practice their own culture and kind of like um taking the bits that they want and actually that does kind of survive in modern day lebanon which has a very diverse uh cuisine which is based on sort of lots and lots of different things and they've kind of like just taken what they've wanted throughout history and kind of made this thing which is uniquely lebanese but also has these influences from the other people that have been there um but israel was very insulated israel was like you cannot come here unless you're jewish 
and that's a that was a big deal for them because it kind of cut them off from trade and also really created this very stagnant very orthodox society that really just wanted to sit still and have everything be the same forever and that's not how phoenicia was and so you have jezebel coming to israel this super conservative country and it's to seal the deal for this like trade agreement between the kingdoms but ultimately she's not happy to be a pawn and she's like yeah i'm the queen of israel like i want to say in things and the bible never calls her the queen of israel by the way which rude like literally she was the queen of israel so take that bible guys um so but so, so she but she's a strong independent lady okay and she brings Baal and Astarte worship to Israel and Ahab is open to it and that's kind of the cool thing about Ahab like Ahab might low-key be a woke king here because he's like I'm not going to convert because I have these official duties as the king of Israel like to the church like the temple like I can't just like go to your church but like you can go like that's fine like you like we'll just go to church separately um yeah which is like real woke for the time for sure and for being the king of israel yeah like, a theocracy like, like a true theocracy like, okay okay so we're we're giving it to ahab um and she's into it so, so she builds her little temple which the the patriarchy is mad the patriarchy is mad that i mean it's like you not only did you let a woman speak to you but you listened to her and now you're letting her do things that she wants to do create <laughs> crazy right yeah. so they're pissed they're pissed at king ahab for letting it happen uh but they're also for some reason pissed at jezebel just for existing like and she literally is not in any way like i want to convert people in israel to my religion i just want to have a place where i can go and worship and that's all she asks for and that's really all she gets so it's not the craziest thing in the world but the patriarchy and again israel is a theocracy the patriarchy's mad okay the prophets are mad all right the guys at the temple are fucking mad again because god forbid a woman has a good time well because you've allowed an idolater into the holy land <laughs> oh america Oh, I mean, Israel. Um, and a painted whore at that. They love to call her a painted whore because she put on makeup one time. Hot. Um, but okay, so here's what goes down. Here, here's what ultimately undoes all of, all of the good work of Jezebel. But she did, you know, um, here's the thing. It did catch on. So some people were into ball worship and were into kind of their own Astardian cult, right? Like they were like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of sexy. Like, oh wait, you mean that women aren't just inherently evil? Like Judaism is all about, oh, women need to dress modestly and be quiet and blah 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 blah. And it's like, wait, you could be kind of like hot and worship nature and like go to the beach and down. Sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up. And Jezebel was like, yes, like we can have both like we can be 
we can have an Israel that's more like my home country, where it's like we can do our thing and they can do their thing. And people she's will feel yes anding the promised land. And and she's like, and then you know, like uh, as far as this like trade deal goes, like people will be a lot more comfortable coming to Israel if we're like open. Yeah. And um, the patriarch was like, fuck this. This is so dangerous. Like, we cannot have this painted horror spreading around all of these, like, free-loving ideas about, like, worshipping a goddess? A woman? So they're... So here, here's the thing. They, they get her on kind of, like, a real estate thing. Okay? And it's... So basically, there's this guy called Naboth. And he lives right next to the royal palace and they need to expand their land they're like you know they're like built right up to the property line property line and you know they are the king and queen so they make like a very good and reasonable offer and the guy's like no like this is my family's land fuck you and so jezebel goes to this man called naboth um which is easy to remember because he's naboth and he's their neighbor Okay. Ooh, Naboth. Also, Naboth the knob, honestly. Yeah, knob. But so, so they make him a good offer, and he's like, fuck you guys. Also, it's it's kind of a thing where he's like, I could sell my land to you, but you worship, like, pagan deities, and you're a whore, you painted whore, and I'm just, I'm not going to do it, because the prophet told me not to do it. Yeah. And the prophet is this guy called... Um, Elijah and he is like he has this vendetta for some reason against Jezebel like he is the one that spearheads this whole I mean speculation here but that usually happens when someone's trying to fuck and doesn't get their way oh you're telling me you're telling me like that's absolutely yeah and the fact that like really the one thing that everyone has to say about Jezebel is that she's a whore because she put on makeup one time but so Elijah is like egging on this situ- this real estate situation, right? So Jezebel's Elijah's like, like the McConnell of ancient Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so the, the, the real estate situation comes to a head because Jezebel, she's a strong independent woman, okay? Ahab is busy being the king or whatever. So she goes over and she's like, okay, well, you're blaspheming against God because the king is in charge of the church and like you're blaspheming against your own god by following this prophet instead of the king. So first of all, you're you're a blasphemer, and second of all, you're um, committing treason because for king and country, you need to give up your land. And so she has him killed because she's the queen; she can do that. And um, she's like, I'm just sick of dealing with the situation. Like, we're not going to negotiate with you for this land anymore. Like, we're, yeah. We're... How many people have kings killed in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. And and a then fuck she, time. And then she remembers, oh shit, this is biblical times. Like, we could just kill him, and they do. So Elijah comes and is like, How dare you kill this like scrupulous and pious man, Naboth? God's coming for you. And he, uh, so Elijah's like, you're gonna get torn up by dogs and Ahab's gonna die and your son is gonna die. And a guy called Jehu is gonna be the next king of Israel. And she's like, okay, crazy. Like, I'm just trying to put in a new driveway. Like, you guys are being so psycho. 
You guys are being so psycho about this whole thing. It's like, oh my god, why are you guys obsessed with me? <laughs> and so here's what happens though. Here's what happens. It kind of sucks because Ahab dies, right? Here's the thing. Jezebel becomes the what they call a regent because she's going to be in charge until her son is like old old enough and mature enough to like be, be the king. Yeah. Uh, because again, she is the queen of Israel. The Bible doesn't say it, but, but that's, she what hap- that's what happens when you're the only wife of the king of Israel. You are the queen of Israel. Like, I don't, I'm sorry, but, but it's true. So she's the queen. She's the regent. She's the, she's the queen regent. Um, head bitch in charge. All right. So Jehu though. Elijah tracks down Jehu because of course he does. Of course he does. And he's like, my dude, you're going to be the king. Congratulations. But you have to kill Jezebel's son and and probably kill her as well. So uh, so he kills the son, which now there's no heir to the throne. Um, which I think politically means Elijah, who is this prophet, gets to pick the next king. Right? Um, and he's already got his guy picked. It's Jehu, who... He also, but he, I do think it's kind of, you know, like he does make Jehu do the dirty work to be the king. Well, yeah, because the prophet can't get his hands dirty. Prophet cannot get his hands dirty, but the future king can. Um, So he kills Jezebel's son, and then he's coming for Jezebel, right? And so this is where the makeup thing comes in. So Jehu is coming for her, and um, she, this is what it says in the Bible. Uh, It was that she put paint on her eyes. That's it. That's all it says. It's an eyeshadow. Called eyeshadow. So she put on some eyeshadow. And um, for the rest of history was the biggest slut of all time. Because. I mean, it's like growing up being told that wearing red lipstick meant you were a whore in the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that's very, and then anytime something happens like that around like a church lady, they're like, you're, you're a Jezebel. Yup. And um, they love, they love to invoke this poor, this poor girl, this poor girl. Who was just fucking being a queen. She was just being a queen. She just wanted to put it in fucking driveway. All right. She was just like letting women talk. Yeah. She was just letting women talk and like not making them wear um, a sheet as a costume. Dumb. Which I'm, I'm really like not judging people like religions who do that. I think if you're a woman and you uh, uh, feel empowered to do so, like wearing a burqa, sure. But I'm also like, I also, also there's this thing that I do not agree with where like, if it's as a culture, like you're saying that women have to dress like that. No, no. I, I mean, yeah. It's like veiling is a very old historical practice, but I don't agree with anyone being forced to adhere to a practice like yeah, because it's like a woman just being like bare head out in public is not responsible for shitty dudes. No, it's not. And it's really like just incredible to me that that was a thing 3,000 years ago. And my God, if it isn't still a fucking thing, you know? I do love this idea though of like invoking the spirit of Jezebel and you're like hexing the patriarchy magic. Oh, I really though, because I was like, to me, it goes together. I feel like, again, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like these stories are important 
in the context of working with your ancestors because these are the stories that they knew you yeah. know i mean it's like the entire half of my family that was pennsylvania dutch like pennsylvania dutch witchcraft practices are like very christian based yeah so all of that to say um i i personally i think jezebel has gotten an incredibly bad rap here because there's, there's no there's reason absolutely there's absolutely no mention of her being a prostitute at the temple when she was still in Phoenicia. And she put on some fucking eyeshadow. Now, here's the thing. She put on some fucking eyeshadow. Uh what what they interpreted that as is that she's trying to seduce Jehu, who's on this holy crusade to rid the holy land of this um paganism, right? Not everything's about your dick, Jehu. Right, 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 right. But so I kind of see it as like, you know, she's doing this very stoic thing where she's like, I'm going to like die. Like, I've lived as this beautiful queen and I'm going to die as this beautiful queen. Um, and then they slut shamed her for existing in a like feminine body. Because she knew, okay, so they throw her out the window and she's torn apart by dogs, which is so undignified. Yeah, the least they could do is let her fucking turn a look on her way out. Exactly. It, like, literally exactly. It's like, they already killed her in such an undignified way that I think she was just trying to, like, have some dignity and death. Like, she was like, I want to look good, like, before they throw me out the window. Like, she, yeah. was, a she was aware of the prophecy. Yeah. Ugh. So, wow. anywho, the and, and, you know, it's like, the patriarchy just like could not they just can't with a strong independent lady and i do i just do think it's funny that there was like a little bit of this is ahab's fault because he's letting her and it's like also, no it sounds like ahab might be the only good husband in the bible but also like they were so pissed at her for just existing yeah as like a lady with opinions yeah so um all of that to say yeah i feel like invoking jezebel against the pa the patriarchy feels very uh timely and i feel yeah like it's like invoke jezebel do a glamour makeup look yes beat your face in her honor beat your face in her honor um i'm so excited about the tarot scope this week because it's for you nicholas okay well um of course i drew aries look at the kitty cat for the tarot scope um fire element mars the stones diamond and bloodstone oh yeah I, I also love the flowers honeysuckle and thistle feels so right but i really felt drawn to use my macabre tarot deck today which again just reminder this case is everything oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's the creek it's the creek it's the creek but i've drawn for you the star which is represented by medusa Speaking another of, like, another feminist icon Medusa. truly so i i love getting the star card for you nick because in the story of the major arcana the star immediately follows the tower so this can symbolize like a period of prosperity following tumult so this is like you're entering this like peaceful loving period of your life magic divinity is flowing around you but this is also an important reminder to like take care of yourself, right? And 
here's like a PSA. Self-care is really important, but it's not just mud masks. Like sometimes it's like going to get that dental cleaning you've been putting off. It's going to the doctor. It's like taking out the trash. It's like, it can be beautiful and fun, but it can also be like taking care of the shit that hangs over your head. And to me, Aries, that's what this star is most representing. It's like, you're entering this beautiful phase, but you have to still remember to take care of yourself. Because like, if your vessel is out of whack, like if it's out of sync, you're not gonna be able to really fully connect to the magic and the divinity that's flowing around you. So it's like, this is such a good opportunity but also don't forget to do the unsexy self-care stuff that allows you to really focus on enjoying the beauty. Love that. And yeah, I'm like really actually very tuned into this energy in this month, like leading up to my trip where I'm like, I actually, not only do I have to like be taking care of myself because while I am traveling, I'm probably going to um, be going a little harder than I usually do um but also i'm just like i yeah i uh i've been feeling a little depleted so yeah i did clean my room the other day which felt so good oh um, yes and you know you know when you like clean your room and then you light a candle and you're like mm. it's it's luscious yeah you're like this candle has never smelled better i mean it's like literally the room isn't clean until you light a candle no that's how you know you're done though. That's how you know you're done cleaning the room. Yeah, hundo P. But yeah, I just, I was so excited to get it. And I do love the star and this macabre tarot deck because it's also like an overflowing cup of a skull. Love, so I, and I, yeah, I do love that it's Medusa. And it's Medusa. Speaking of beating your face in honor of Jezebel, like look at yes. her, her makeup look here is fantastic. She's, she's giving, she's giving anyway. us, she's giving us everything. <laughs> she is well i think that's all she wrote yeah so to all of you demonic painted whores of babylon oh to you demonic painted whores blessed be bitches blessed be bitches goodbye some of the coolest choral music i've ever performed is like super depressing shit by monks but anyway yeah they're they're fucking well because they literally spent their whole lives just like being weirdos and praying until they uh hallucinated <laughs>